When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think the title pretty much sums that up pretty good. Any doubt now? The question is probably not. This is the DraftKings uh, Wildcat podcast on PHNX. Uh, John Schuster and Brad Alice, Chu and Brad filling in today. Mike Luke has some other engagements. uh, So we're hopefully not going to run this completely into the ground. Uh, Join us. Get involved in uh, the conversation. We'll try to take as much as uh, we possibly can. But in case there are some technical issues here and there, apologies just in case in advance. Before we get going and talk about a phenomenally entertaining basketball game, I want to remind you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And on DraftKings, the big uh, special that is taking place right now uh, for new customers, new subscribers. All you have to do, the easy part, just get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's easy to download on Android and iPhone. Uh, And when you do, as a new customer, bet $1 on any NFL team to score. You get $100 in free bets. It's it's that easy. It's the nice introductory uh, promo offer. Uh, keep in mind, that's for uh, 20, uh, Arizona only, 21 and above. You got a gambling problem, and we hope you don't. Let's be responsible here because this is fun. 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Again, John Schuster along with Brad Alice, and uh, looking forward to your comments. We're seeing some of them now. Uh, and, and one of them said out of the gate, uh, Brad, this was a fun game and a resilient game. There was a lot of positives in addition to the bottom line with Arizona winning 83-79 in essence on a road game against a really good basketball team uh, in an exciting venue. The Wildcats showed great character tonight and figured out a way to get a W. Um, there's, it, it's hard to come up with some relative negatives after this performance the Wildcats showing great character, great resilience, and Brad, safe to say now that Arizona basketball is for real and for real fast. Yeah, and granted, this is probably going to be the toughest environment they play all season unless Oregon figures it out because I don't know if they're going to be packing the mat as a as a 8-5 and five type basketball team. Uh, Pauly's not quite back yet. Uh, so this is probably, again, the toughest environment, the toughest travel they're probably going to have unless something happens in the state of Washington in January. Um, but other than that, uh, you look at what they did, able to get the win. It took really 
a pretty freakish shooting night by Illinois because most of those were well guarded. Or um, some of them were conceded because of the double team, but a lot of those were hand in the face threes. They shot what forty five percent. I didn't look at the final numbers. It was and, at least fifteen. They made at yeah. least fifteen threes. And Arizona not only you know yeah it was uh, I think the final number sixteen to thirty six. So forty four percent. Not many teams could shoot forty four percent wide open, much less with a contested. And to go with that, with the travel, with a lot of these guys, if not all of them, facing this kind of environment for the first time. Um, at least in North American soil. Um, the fact that they were in this game even, well, it was, but, you know, had they even lost by two, let's say, but that would have been a win for me. Getting the actual W on the road is phenomenal. And the fact that they were able to weather the 19-0 run, weather um, a lot of calls not going their way, weather, you know, some a really rough first half by Kirk Creesa. And it was about the time I think that uh, Fox figured out their cameras that Kirk Creesa uh, came alive. Maybe he just didn't want to. You know, th- that one baseline camera looked like the Sybil Shepherd cam from Moonlighting, covered in Vaseline. It was weird. Uh, but, yeah, all in all, I, I don't know what else you could take away from this game uh, because this is looks, at least to me, eyeball test, the best team they've played. I know. Oh, I don't think there's any question about I that. I mean, this team's better in Michigan, obviously Wichita State. Um, Wyoming so far, those are the good teams. Um, and the fact is they were able to kind of do what they wanted to, to Coburn. I know he had that stretch where he had six in a row. He was kind of allowed to play bully ball. Um, but other than that, yeah, you know, other than the three-point shooting, which, again, I thought most of it was well-guarded, this is a big win for Arizona. See, that, that that's one of the interesting things, and I think it's reason for discussion uh, as Arizona reviews the video here, Brad, is that there was a lot of talk, at least on the broadcast, about how Arizona goes, you know, underneath the screen a lot, and they, and they were getting a lot, and Frazier and Plummer got hot. And that happens at the college level, and I think it's something – as you look ahead a little bit, you start to maybe try to pinpoint good guard play and what teams can shoot from three-point range. And if that's the case, how does Arizona have to adjust that or does it adjust that in different ways? I think that's one of the things that may be involved uh, in the evolution. But one of the things uh, you touched on was the 19 nothing run by Illinois. We've talked about Arizona go going on, and I know you like to use this phrase fairly frequently, uh, the runs of death. Illinois was in danger of putting one on Arizona. And despite that, the Wildcats just kind of hung around and in the last eight minutes or so got back into the game and ultimately wore them down. That's a nice character performance uh, for an Arizona team that didn't have everything necessarily going its way tonight. Yeah, well, they countered that. I think it was with a 9-0 or 10-0 run themselves. And they held uh, Illinois without a field goal, I think the final seven minutes. So once that run was over, Arizona kicked the defense. And now that run for Illinois was very similar to an Arizona run. Arizona was a little careless with the basketball, uh, you know, had some defensive lapses during that stretch. And that, I think, you know, contributed to it. You shored that up. And then Arizona countered. And credit both teams. Every time one of the other teams, you know, punched each other in the face, the other team was able to answer uh, with a run of their own. And that's, to me, it reminded me of a really good tournament game, except for, you know, the fact that you had the Illinois students there. But that is the kind of game you, both teams are going to have to play, whether it comes to league play. Uh, you know, the the Big Ten looks like a meat grinder this year. Or come tournament time, because they're games of runs, and both teams over and over and over answered those runs. And that, that was what makes it a fun game. Uh, Scott made a uh, point uh, on the comment section, and feel free to, 
comment below. We'll get to as many as we possibly can. Uh, but he made, I thought, a very good comment, and you touched on it as well, Brad, in regards to Carissa, who was pretty much a non-factor in the first half and stepped up significantly in the second half. So now you're seeing this was this was an interesting game in that so far this season, Arizona's been able to do more or less what it wanted to do on the offensive end. Today, there was a lot more half court. And, and, and as a result, it kind of devolved into one-on-one -on -one play sometimes, which isn't always the best thing. But I think what we've learned is that you have a guy in Matherin who can get a bucket a lot of times when you need it. He finished with 29 points, uh, 30 points tonight, I believe. Uh, Tabellus was very good at times. And Carissa hit monster shots uh, to keep Arizona in the game in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, again, we saw this also. The Arizona team misses a lot of easy buckets tonight that I think is going to end up. I think if we go back and review the film, my guess is half of those, uh, you know, I would say they missed seven or eight at the hoop. And probably half of those were would have been assisted buckets, maybe more. So I think that's going to skew the numbers a little bit. But what I think we saw here is that at least so far, Kirk Creasa likes being the villain. He likes being the heel. He hit the big, I think it was the big three. It might have been the runner. And he stared down. It looked like the cheerleaders. Um, now he's probably trying to pass his number on. You'll probably mouth the number because that's what <laughs> he, I, I mean, I just picture that guy running roughshod on, 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 on the campus. Do you feel um, like he's, he, um, uh, what's the, is it, is it the John Cusack movie where they go to the ski resort and uh, the blonde guy who's in Karate Kid is the uh, bad, is the bad ski guy? Carissa feels like he's that guy from oh, that yeah, kind yeah. of classic 80s movie. But uh, man, no, I mean, the whole group of the international guys feel like that. Like I picture Pelle Larson being the guys like, yeah, put him in the body bag, you know, they're they're Cobra Kai, uh, you know. Tabellus, I just, you know, they walk into frat parties and the frat guys. He's like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hide the women. Um, so, uh, but Krisa seems to thrive on that. You know, he's he did it a little bit in Vegas. Um, you know, with the, with the Michigan fans and, and to, uh, to a lesser extent the Wichita State fans. Uh, the other guy to me, Tabellus is a load because he can put the ball on the floor. And not many guys his size can defend it. Uh, you know, Hawk, I think it's Hawkins or Hankins. Uh, he did an okay job, but when they needed a bucket in the first half, it was Tabellus on the floor, putting the ball down on the floor that seemed to get it. And most of the guys in the Pac-12 who can defend that are going to give up three inches and, and 30 pounds. They're those, you know, combo forward types. When Tabellus is a legit 6'10", what, 230, 240? Right. Right, um, but the fact that he can put the ball on the floor, I think, is, a, is something that again, you have. I think three guys. That was the question: who's the guy who can get you the key bucket? When you, I think they got three guys who can, and they're all in totally different ways. Um, you know, when when Christian Coloco can be the complimentary scorer, that's a good place to be. Uh, we're going to get to Sean's comment in a moment. And folks, if you're uh, watching on Twitter right now, you can head over to YouTube and uh, join us live and participate in the conversation. We're at uh, YouTube now. I know there's a link on Twitter if you want to get involved in some of the comments. Uh, and uh, Sean was talking about one of the guys we haven't mentioned entirely, who tonight, if you look at it from an individual standpoint as well, there's a he is the most noteworthy yeah, that's not that's not a fair assessment. I was going to say he was the most noteworthy. There are positives and there are negatives guy, and that's Christian Coloco, and I'll get to that in a moment. Terry struggled but did a couple good things. 
Larson, same, got into foul trouble, struggled a little bit in the first half, and then ultimately redeemed himself on some nice plays, which is a really good thing that Arizona kind of worked through some difficulties. Uh, Coloco, however, Brad, was very interesting tonight. And Sean asked uh, and wanted to ask you specifically whether uh, you thought that uh, Coloco at this stage was an NBA-ready player or a guy who can play at the next level. And if I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, uh, apologies, but you know the gist of where we're going there. Before I get to that, though, Coloco was, to me, both frustrating and excellent. Defensively, he was really good when given the opportunity and blocking consecutive shots and making things difficult on Kingston. And you can see why scouts struggle with what Kingston's game is at the next level, because there are a lot of guys like Coloco who can defend athletically at the next level. And I like Kingston a lot. He had another double-double tonight. He makes things very difficult. You always have to pay attention to him on the floor. But on the offensive end, and this to me has happened over the course of the last two or three games, it looks like Coloco is having hand issues again. Uh, this was not a problem at the beginning of the year, but it looks like he is not comfortable on that end of the floor, fortunately, he's been good for Arizona defensively. However, there were a couple moments late in the game, last three minutes, where he was unable to lock down a defensive rebound that could have quelled an Illinois possession and maybe given Arizona a little bit more cushion as opposed to what they ultimately needed with the four-point W. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that is just getting beat up the whole game. I mean, Coburn is a load. I mean, what if? and again, I know, you know, Coloco goes against Omar Balo in practice, but that's different. Um, you know, he's going to have two big bruises on his pecs tomorrow from those shoulders that Coburn was able to drop. Um, so I'm not ready to write off Coloco's hands because that's a tough game for him. That's a tough match. You know, that's one of those where you're not exp- – I don't think you expect much offensively from him because his whole concentration – and he held him 16 uh, now, 13 rebounds, but, you know, I, I was reading some of the Illinois boards, and they were like, you know, I think Jason Shear wrote, if they can hold them to 15, Arizona wins. And they all thought it was hysterical that they thought Arizona could hold them to 15. Well, they couldn't. It was 16. Uh, and eight came late, and two of those I still think were offensive fouls. Absolutely most, they were. Yeah, because apparently, you know, Tabellus was called for lo- a lot less. Um, sorry, the dog yeah, keeps the, dragging my, there, t- my tail. Uh, but were, as, there, there, you know, this is one of those frustrating games, and, and sorry to step in, Brad, because I know that there are going to be folks who talk about this from an officiating standpoint. I didn't think the officiating was good tonight. And those are examples there where things get really frustrating. It's not Kingston's fault. If you can get away with it, you do it. Do it, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that I, I remember in the Shaq era of the NBA, that's all Shaquille O'Neal would do. He'd just run over people, get to the basket, hit a dunk, and refs would let him do it. And it's like, well, I mean, there there are still tenets of rules that you're supposed to play within. And to me, you know, Kingston just bowled himself in there. The other defender had position, and it wasn't called appropriately. All of that. But the diff- aside- I would actually say the difference is now there's that emphasis on the drop shoulder. When Shaq played, you could drop your. You, there, there's a lot of videos uh, or still photos that you and I used to to do when we did cat tracks. How many times did we see Richard Jefferson with a shoulder in some guy's chest or Jason Gardner with a? That's it's called differently now. And now the minute you make contact with that shoulder, they're pretty much going to call you for the offensive foul unless you're a 270 pound big man, uh, which I've seen at other levels too. Let's in other places. Um, but I, yeah, I think the fact that, you know, Coloco was able to hold him to 16, Coloco and Balo, 
is, is a big thing for why Arizona won this game. Yeah, it's an excellent number. Uh, Kingston averages 23 and 12, and he's a great player and a difference maker at the college level and Arizona defensively uh, more than held its own. Still taking comments, so feel free Let to Let me go back to the Coloco the NBA thing. I, sure. I think oh, yes. right yes, now. Sir. I think right now, if somehow Coloco left college right now and could sign an NBA free agent contract, someone would pick him up to be that long defender off the bench. Um, but if he's ever going to make a long career in the NBA, he's got to develop the, the face-up jumper. Uh, and we've seen glimpses of it. But the fact is, even though he's 7-1, he is going to always be thinner than some guys. You know, not, you know, Aiton would bully him. Um, now, granted, the NBA's gotten away from that. But I think, yes, he's an NBA player. But if he's going to be a t- 10-year NBA player, he's got to develop a jump shot because that's where the NBA is right now. Conversely, Coburn, you know who he reminds me of is Jaleel Okafor, the Duke player, uh, who went, I think, second or third overall to Philly and couldn't find a place in the modern NBA. In the 80s, Jaleel Okafor would be an all-star, an all-NBA guy. But unfortunately, some guys are born at the wrong time. I always said if Jason Gardner played in the 70s, he would have been a 15-year NBA guy. You know, he and Tiny Archibald, and, 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 but he wasn't. He was a guy when, when point guards were suddenly six foot three, and that's why he's you know coaching still in Arizona. Uh, but that's my thought. My thought is, yeah, Coloco has NBA athleticism. But I think he's got to have an offensive game uh, to, to kind of match it, and I, I think he can do it. Um, the question is, you know, does he want to spend another year or two in college to develop it, or does he want to develop it, you know, uh, bouncing maybe between the G League and 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 the NBA? Okay, Brad, I'll prep you with a couple tease questions. Uh, uh, there, there was somebody online who uh, suggested that uh, Arizona might be a second week NCAA tournament team, and Nick Howard asked if Arizona was Final Four ready. Give us your thoughts on that in a moment. Before then, let me tell you about DraftKings and the DraftKings. Sportsbook app for new customers. Bet $1 on any team to score in an NFL game. There's an NFL special going on until the 16th. Don't worry. There might be another sport and another special for new customers just around the corner. But get in on DraftKings and have fun with it. Uh, if you bet the dollar for new customers only, first team on, on one team that scores, you'll see the promo on the app. Uh, $100 in free bets uh, coming your way. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PHNX. Look for that. Look for that promo code, PHNX. Bet a dollar on any team to score, win $100 in free bets. If they score, and they will, you score with promo code PHNX at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus, Arizona only. And remember, if you have a gambling problem, we don't want you to do that. We know it's addictive. We also know it's fun, and we know you're out there and you're responsible because you're responsible enough to watch us. And we thank you for that. 1-800, but just in case, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Brad, um, the metrics like Arizona a lot. After this performance, uh, folks observing Arizona have to like Arizona a lot. How much do you like Arizona in terms of how the tournament might shake down or what you've seen as far as college basketball is concerned? Uh, someone we both know, uh, Ann Diaz, who I don't think is watching, but she might be, uh, asked me, are, are this team looks legit to me? Are they legit? And I said, yeah, the question is, are they three and four seed second weekend legit? Or are they one or two seed legit? And I don't know that yet. This is making me lean. So to Nick, can they get to the final four? Yeah, I think they can. Um, but we all know that is such a crapshoot. 
Um, but I think we are now looking at a team, you know, Mike wanted to ask before the season, was this a top 25 team at the end of the year? No, this is a top 15 team at the end of the year, barring just getting figured out, um, which I don't see it. I've always thought this was a talented team. So if I think unless the, they somehow get the four seed and, and just a stacked region, this should be a second weekend team. And once you get to the second weekend, it kind of becomes a, a, a crapshoot, as we all know. Uh, we've certainly seen. Look at that team against Illinois, the one we've seen from 2005. That was the best. That was the second best team in America behind uh, North Carolina. They just caught a steamroller at the wrong time. You know, we've seen it over and over with Arizona. And, you know, obviously when their uh, the, their best teams did not win championships, and, and a good team did. So you never know. But yes, I think this team is complete enough that they could make a run. And would I would I bet on it? Maybe if you go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and want to get into the futures, but um, I certainly think it could be a second weekend team. Obviously, right now, you know, they look like at worst the third team in the Pac-12, and, and maybe I think you could make an argument they look like the best team in the Pac-12, although UCLA is really good. I think Andrew uh, has a comment here about how uh, Tennessee and UCLA on the road uh, back-to-back going to show uh, Arizona fans a lot. I think you're going to include USC into that as well. Remember, and they still USC got ASU at the end of that road trip. And a problem, but this was a good start to get an idea of what Arizona is capable of. Again, Illinois is good. And, you, you know, like you said at the top, I'm not sure that they're going to be that explosive from three-point range, but the fact that they've got two guards who can fill it up, that's a team with really good balance that can be a problem and will be a problem in what you called a grinder conference, but I think it's a good grinder conference. I think, oh, there I, are think... Some, I think there are some really good teams in the Big Ten, and Illinois is going to be uh, in the mix, I think, for a heck of a long time. So if and you want to get start, guard back, if you want to start this as the gauntlet, uh, then Arizona definitely got off to a good start. But there's a lot of enjoyable basketball as well over the course of the next three weeks or so. Yeah, remember they got uh, the point guard was out Cabello. I don't, I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, he's really good. And they they didn't have him tonight, um, but that might also change the dynamic. And they they probably wouldn't settle for as many threes if he was out there. But yeah, we, as we're saying, I I actually thought the 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 this grinder stretch actually began with Wyoming because I still think Wyoming's a pretty good basketball team. Agreed. I think they're a factor in the Mountain West. I don't know. I've seen people say, well, they're the best. I don't know if they're the best team in the Mountain West. They were undefeated, but they're a tournament caliber team. Um, Illinois is a tournament team, I think clearly. Um, and they're probably second tier. Uh, big, yeah. You know, I think if we're looking at it, it sure looks like Purdue's really, really good. I know yeah, they lost they to Rutgers. They are. That was a road midweek loss on a on a three point shot that probably shouldn't have counted. Um, Ohio State is capable of beating anyone on the right night. Um, you know, go up and down. You know, Michigan's going to do get it together. Illinois is really good. Um, you know, you can never count Michigan state. I know they're a little bit down right now, but this is that that's a great league. You know, the PAC 12, I think is an okay league at the top. And then it, there's a huge drop off. I think after See, that, Washington state that's who got upset I, today, I think it's a really good league at the top. Uh, I, I think there are some really good teams at the top. I think it's a problem from about five down. Uh, they don't, they don't have the depth of, that, that some, some of the other leagues have, I think in the middle, however, you know, I think maybe the conference is going to be one of those that you see a lot of improvement uh, throughout the course of the year. One of my arguments, and fo- folks who have watched 
you know, these uh, podcasts or heard me on some other venues. Uh, one of my irritations with the transfer portal is that I think aesthetically it's going to hurt college basketball overall as a whole from November into December and possibly into a good portion of January as well because everybody's melding teams together. It's weird. Arizona appears to be the exception here that is developing faster uh, than a lot of other teams in a completely unusual situation. You'd expect Arizona to be the poster children uh, for the type of team that was still trying to figure it out and, and and galvanize itself as it moved along. So maybe a team like Oregon State, which has some talent, maybe a team like Oregon, who you figure Altman does this all the time anyway, uh, can give the league a little bit more depth uh, at once we get into mid-January and perhaps the beginning of February. But right now, you've got a very good UCLA team who Brad, I think, deserves to be who, when this all clears out, if UCLA's a one, two, or a three seed, I'm not going to be surprised. Not at US, all. USC's an absolute pain in the ass on defense. Uh, and and if they're a five or more favorable, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Arizona metrically is playing like a one seed, but you know if they're in UCLA's category at a three or so, um, I can see that happening too. So I think the top of this league is really good and is going to get seeded favorably. It's just a league that uh, struggles from a depth standpoint, at least right now, that I don't think other conferences uh, are going through those sorts of growing pains. And as a result, you might see a league that only gets four berths, but three of those berths or three seeds are more, more favorable. And than I that. think that's what Lenardi has. I think it's three and all three are top four seeds. And I, I'd have to go double check that. But because like right now he had Washington State, who's typically fourth in most of these rankings uh, out and he had Oregon out. Um, so, yeah, I think I think again, yeah, I think the top of the league's good. Uh, again, I think, yeah, UCLA on the right night can play with him as we saw when they played Villanova. I mean, that's a really good Villanova team. And then they you know beat him at Poly. Um, yeah, USC, I, I again. When the chips are down, uh, I have my doubts about infield, but that's a 20, you know what? 23, 24 win team, though. He, he is the most underappreciated coach in this conference. SC has won 25 games or more, I think, what, five of the last six years? Yeah. It's something ridiculous like that. Yet we keep looking at infield as kind of being, oh, USC sort of an also ran in this. No, they're not. I mean, not anymore. I mean, while it looks scattershot and it looks kind of undisciplined. It works. And, yeah, and now it's worked for a multitude of years. So I think Enfield's I doing just, a I have my good doubt. job I, there. I do have my doubt. I, and again, made my perceptions off. My perception is in close games against comparable talented teams, they tend to lose those. Um, and that's the difference between Andy Enfield and Dana Altman, um, who, again, I still think even with their struggles, it's about Mick Cronin. Um, his team seemed to gut out those wins and, and it's Tommy people, Lloyd does the same thing here so far so far t Lloyd's been good and he's made uh, push the right buttons in these close games and he's found ways uh I do want to say a lot of people bashing Miller uh, on the on the chat on the side and some of it deserve Miller won a lot of good games against good teams in close games and until the end of the tournament run he was great in the tournament up to a point and then his teams I think started escaping his image and as i've said he's a great system coach who got away from his system but um that being said i really, I really like tommy lloyd i'm glad they have tommy lloyd but i think the the revisionist history already of of, of miller is a is a little interesting but again although Brad, this team is so aesthetically pleasing i'm, yeah. I'm almost there with you 
See, I, I, I kind of want to get into that a little bit more, if you don't mind, because it has been a running theme here with the comments, as you noted. Beforehand, uh, if it's possible, if you could do us a favor out there, you've been kind enough to watch us already. Uh, if you could subscribe to the channel on YouTube, that'd be fantastic. It's good for DraftKings, good for us. We hope you enjoy the content, and there are a variety of, of cool folks within the Arizona pocket. Uh, at the at PHNX uh, that are are doing a really good job across platforms for a lot of the uh, uh, multitude of teams up in Phoenix and uh, they've been kind enough to extend it uh, with Mike down here in Tucson and uh, Mike allows us to be on every now and again and bring the product down to a grinding halt. But uh, if you were kind enough and felt inclined to subscribe on YouTube. That would be fantastic. Again, Brad, that has been a topic of conversation and an understandable topic of conversation. Mike and I talked about it uh, on this program uh, after the Wyoming game where, and one of the things that I brought up was kind of like, you look back at some of the really good Arizona Miller teams, Gordon, Hollis Jefferson, Nick Johnson, and you think, and you feel, and there's a sense of frustration there because you kind of wish Tommy Lloyd was coaching them too. So what is it that Lloyd is doing differently that at least at this stage, even though Miller recruited these guys, it appears that Lloyd understands how to get them to play at a higher level than perhaps Miller could have done at this stage. And again, it's alternative history. I don't know if Arizona would be undefeated at this stage if Miller was the coach too. But clearly, their style of play in a multitude of different areas would have been better. And I'm not sure even some of the players would have been as developed as it appears they are right now. I will say this. I think when we look back three, four years from now, we are going to see that Tommy Lloyd is a better developer of talent than, than Sean Miller. I think that was a, so, uh, how do I say? it's overrated his lack of development, but it was an issue because um, guys did develop under him and a lot of guys did say, but some guys didn't. And too many guys did not develop under under Sean Miller. Um, but it's not like I, I saw one thing where no one ever – no, a lot of guys did. Most of the guys just didn't stay long enough. But I think if you already – look at the look at the growth we've already seen from Coloco. Um, Tabellis as well, but Tabellis is a second-year guy. Mathers, and a lot of guys always said, what's the best thing about a sophomore? They're no longer freshmen. Um, but Coloco is a three-year guy. Um, I also think that when you play the wide open style, much like Luke did, that unless you have a team with no athletes, that more guys fit that system, if that makes sense. At the end of the day, Miller played a very specific system, and I think it could have worked, but he couldn't always get the guys. You mentioned Rondé and Nick and Aaron Gordon. Those were all five-star guys. But those were five-star guys who played Miller's system. Defense, rebounding. Uh, all three of them were defensive first players. In fact, only Nick was really a polished offensive player. But who did he have to transition to? Alonzo Trier didn't fit the system. Raleigh Alkins, who was supposed to be this tough New York kid, no. Um, you know, you kept getting guys like that. Guys who were a little selfish. You had to kind of be unselfish. And now... If we look at this system, this system's very unselfish, but the ball gets around so much, you they know all get you're their going touches. To, you all get your touches. You didn't in Miller's system. So I think that was the problem. I think there were times where Miller should have settled for Kadeem Allens of the world, but wanted the Alonzo Triers, but Alonzo Trier didn't fit that system. Whereas Would Alonzo Trier fit this system? 
I don't know. Athletically, yes. Scoring-wise, yes. Would he have sold out on the defensive? I mean, Tabellus getting down on the floor. I'm not sure Alonzo true. Maybe. And maybe it gets contagious. I don't know. Um, But I think this is also, if you look at, you know, what we're seeing from Tommy Lloyd, he doesn't hand out those offers. He's only offered a handful of kids because he's very specific, I think. And Lute was, too. Lute used to yank offers all the time. If the kid's mom even said something, uh, there was a player went to UCLA where his mom was talking about, can you guarantee shots and starting time? He's like, he's not going to fit here. Um, it, it rhymes with Arisa. Uh, <laughs> um, that, but that was Lute's sister. I remember ta- over eavesdropping Hassan Adams at the uh, Nike All-American camp talking about Indy Eby. And how E.B. said, I'm going to come in and, and score 25 a game. And, and Hassan said, I took looked at him. He's like, you don't come to Arizona to score 25. You come to Arizona to win 25 and then try to win six more. Um, I thought that was an interesting quote from Hassan. So, yeah, I think Lloyd's going to be a little more picky. And if that means picking up a guy who has to spend three years here and then finding the right transfer, I think that's his plan. He inherited a team that works very well. And my gut feeling is, you know, we're looking. The five starters are all Miller's guys. I think this team would have been very good under Miller as well. They just would have been very, very different. And at the end of the day, so far, I do I like what I've seen from Tommy Lloyd? Absolutely. I'm At this point, I'm glad they have Tommy Lloyd, not Sean Miller. Um, but I think Sean Miller is getting bashed a little bit more than he should. Now, I'm interested to see. In some other world, the Schlaubach article doesn't go out, and, and I think Arizona would have been a very different basketball team the last four or five years. I think that article, what do you mean? the fact that they, you know, they struggled to get their recruits, the recruiting class that never well, was. Well, okay, would would I guess it doesn't matter, but yeah, then it doesn't maybe, matter. Maybe this is for another day. But in an alternate universe, is Miller still going to run as Miller style with the players that he oh, wants? And Arizona's going to be competitive, or are you going to ultimately see a guy who maybe decides he needs to, you know, pick up the pace a little bit to try to be more effective in uh, the modern template of he, he basketball? Kept he was in going general. to and never did. Right. So I don't know. You know what? Uh, Clearly, Tommy Jeff Lloyd Fish has said that th- too. Jeff Fish is going to throw to the tight end. Tight end. Right. Uh, player X is a combo forward. Mm. We've been hearing combo forwards since Lou Olson was here. He had exactly one combo forward, <laughs> uh, and he ended up playing center, and that was Ricky Anderson. Um, maybe Rayos, but uh, those are just yeah, uh, you know, whatever. We're not. We're in the Tommy Lloyd era, and let's rejoice because this is a team that's undefeated. The future is bright. Now, he has he brought in the home run recruit yet? No. But if you're a kid watching this style and you don't want to play at right. Arizona for this style, for a coach who looks like, you know, Luke He appears to be Brad. I'll tell you what, he appears to be a good communicator. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Uh, and And some of the stuff that I thought was interesting, too, his interaction, and it's hard to tell what what's being said how effective it ultimately is, but the way that Lloyd works the refs or communicates with the refs, at least at, at this stage is very respectful. Now, you know, take that for what it's worth. There seems to be Lloyd's approach seems to be always communicating. It doesn't mean he doesn't get pissed off from time to time when things don't go right, but 
there's a communicating and a respect approach there. And it seems to be that he approaches players and approaches others around him in a very similar way. And it's certainly a different approach on the sidelines. And as this thing moves along, we'll find out how effective it is. But so far, even in that regard. And again, it's tough to observe from television. I'm not right there on the sideline. I don't get a gist. I don't know exactly what he's saying or how he's saying it, but I'll tell you what, it looks good. You know, yeah, we've seen him chew some kids out, but it lasts about 25 seconds. Uh, if that, like, I think it was the other night, Pella Larson got an earful. And by the end of the earful, Lloyd was smiling, Larson was smiling, got a pat on the butt. Um, there was no glare. There was no sending him to the end of the bench. And I think you also have to look, you know, Steve Robinson's, uh, is, is reportedly a great communicator. We know Murph a little bit. That's a guy who's always been able to communicate in different ways with different people. Talk you know, one way to the media, one way uh, to his friends, one way to the kids. You know, I don't know uh, Coach Coach Ricardo at all. But but it is a good point what you're talking about. that This assistant coaching group seems to be fitting in very well, too. And that was Lute's key. Remember, Lute had an assistant who fit every role. And these guys, you know, he had a Roz who was a little cranky, um, but look at how the guys adore Roz. When, when, when Roz was being forced out, every former player and booster came to his defense uh, during that tumultuous time. You know, he had a guy like Rodney Tension, who was kind of like the cool uncle, but who could also MF you to death when he had to. You know, he had a guy like Passner who was super positive. He's had a KO who was the disciplinarian. And I think you've got that here. You know, Steve Robinson's the elder statesman. But Steve Robinson still shows up in his his $200 Jordans and his night. He, he used to swag out on the recruiting trail. And the kids, $200 Jordan. What did he do? Get him at a thrift stop? Exactly. Thrift shop? Well, get, how, much, how much of you? Uh, how much of I you, haven't shopped uh, Jordans in forever. Yeah. yeah no knockout. kidding. But you know what I mean? He's, he, you know, he's a guy who, you know, what is he? Brad Allen's, uh, the Brad Allen's inflation scale is in exactly. full effect hey, right now. You know, what, what can I say? Uh, but the fact is, yeah, these guys all fit a variety of roles. And, and that's what I think is so key. Um, when I think in, at some points during Miller's era, a lot of them just took on Miller's kind of, of, of personality. And, and that was good and bad. So, uh, yeah, be happy we're here now. But again, I think, I think we've got, and we get revisionist history with everyone. We had, we, you know, we've gone through Tommy revisionist history right now. We're kind of in a rich rod was way better than we ever thought. Hmm. And that's what happens with sports and coaches. But I think the Miller bashing, while a lot, there's a grain of truth and there's a lot of it's justified. I think it's getting a little blown up because we're so happy with Lloyd. If Lloyd was six and three right now, we wouldn't see what we're seeing, but he's not. So, you know, let's again, let's be thankful for what we have because so far this has been a, just a wonderful hire. And just even from the aesthetics just has been really a lot of fun because again, it looks like Lute Olson basketball. Hey Brad, before we get out of here, Anger Grimm had a question about Aiken uh, not necessarily being in the rotation all that much, playing very little at best. Do you have any insights? He's, on- he's not with the team right now. They're client okay. personal reasons. Uh, which is always a worry because we've seen Trier had personal reasons, and I don't I don't know what it is, but it could be discipline, it could be legitimately uh, family issues, it could be mental health. I don't want to speculate, but they're saying uh, personal uh, 
okay. reasons, and he's not with the team right now, mm. and there's no timetable for his return. And that is a blow because, you know, Arizona basically goes three deep with bigs, and after that they have to play small ball. The good news is they play small ball really well. Uh, Brad, was uh, Arizona with the win and uh, the point spread, not the point spread, the uh, over-under, did you take uh, Arizona and the over on your DraftKings app as your DraftKings pick of the week? Uh, being on the road with travel issues, I would I, I took the under. What? You yeah. took the under? Really? Yeah. Well, that, that was your DraftKings pick of the week. Somebody on the other side here, and this is hilarious given our history. We did this in a pregame show. Uh, a long, we, we did this bit in a pregame show a long time ago where we, we, we used fake money in that pregame show. Uh, our friend Rob Lance, Brad Alice, and I all did something. And uh, we picked games every week. I was out of money after about three bets. So you were Brad at the is, point. <laughs> she was at the point where... You know, I was borrowing from from no, uh, monsters. He was, he was betting less than a dollar. He was like, I got 75 cents on Air Force to cover. I've got 33 cents on the over in the uh, middle Tennessee, eastern Washington. And we're like, oh, yeah, no. You know, Mike and I, we didn't do great, but we were still or betting. Braden, yeah, it was actually Rob. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, you yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. You and Rob did uh, very well, which, we did okay. which, which we means did okay. now. Rob did now, great. Now, if you guys get the DraftKings app. I mean, you're going to load it up and your pick of the week, you're well, you know, you can listen to uh, shoe at specific times like today when he took the Wildcats and the over and even parlayed that together uh, because uh, there, there are some folks out there who recognize that this guy right here, right here is the so-called and rightful king of parlays. Yes. All right, Brad, before we get out of here, thoughts on today, final thoughts on today's game uh, and uh, what you're looking forward to as Arizona takes it on from here. I don't know how you can take anything really negative other than maybe the three-point shooting for Illinois. Arizona went on the road, Ubered. Yes, they Ubered to Champaign from Indianapolis. I don't know how far that is. Um, it's not close. It's not like Ubering from Champaign from Chicago. Uh, which is like a 35, 40 minute. Um, yeah. Bummer. I wasn't driving that one. No, no. We, and they, I guess someone looked it up. They said it was $125 during normal times. Wow, that that doesn't sound straight. right. No, yeah. that sounds and, cheap. And it was, it was like at I three in the morning. A, I would have driven a tornado. Times. Oh, yeah. So tough I, weather back there. I know. Again, you Uber there. Um, you play a good to very good basketball team in a awful good environment i mean those students uh, again the entire big 10 might be top to bottom the best fan base because they all acc has a couple weaker stuff again i don't know how good northwestern is but you go to most of those that's a good fan base in illinois they were packed they were ready um they didn't like some of the things that were said by arizona media this week uh so they were frothing at the mouth a little bit and arizona not only went in and 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 played well they won uh, so I think it's a huge win. I think it's a character-building win. I think the fact that they were able to weather a 19-0 run, I weather the foul trouble with Dallin Terry, although I think we're learning how what he means on defense for this team because the, the right. first half, they missed him. And the fact that Kirk Creasa was able to just basically turn it on from having a poor first half and had, what, 16, 18 in the second half, hit a key free throw, stared down the cheerleaders. Um, you know, I just... <laughs> He's the guy, again, if he played for UCLA, we would hate him. 
Oh, yeah. We hate him more than Capono. You know, the I, fact I, that he plays I, for I, Arizona, exactly. we love oh, him. Everybody else in the conference is going to despise him. And, and, and our pal Mike Luke, who runs this thing, uh, loves his comparison. So in honor of Mike Luke, let me throw one at you, um, Brad Alice. Danny Ainge. I, I see that. To me, he's... Yeah, I mean... Because you had to but, hate him. But, but Danny Ainge you hated because he was scrappy, a little cheap, uh, an agitator. Whereas I think part of Kreese's thing is he's cocky. Um, he's a pretty boy. I mean, he really fit would have fit in with some of those UCLA teams in, in the, in the 2000s, you could see him like hanging out with the sweat band with Capono and those guys. Uh, but yeah, I think they're, I think from a hatred standpoint, he might go down as one of the top most Arizona hated players. Um, it's not a bad position to be in, is no. it? Because if you're if you're one of the most hated players in the history of a given team, that means your team's doing good. You're on a good team. Absolutely, and again, he's a good player. He's got that swag. I think it it gets contagious, and uh, yeah, that's what makes this team fun. I mean, the the best Arizona teams are always likable, yet also hateable. Like I, I, I'm guessing most fan bases hated Ricky Anderson. I'm <laughs> guessing most fan bases hated Salim two of my all-time favorite Wildcats. You know, I'm guessing they probably hated Luke Walton. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they're going to... Definitely Miles Simon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they're going to hate a lot of these Wildcats, and that's a good thing because, you know, the best heels, if we're going with our wrestling comparison, usually have the title, right. and that's why you hate them. And I, th I think this Arizona team has a chance to to make a run at at the title. And Jose just mentioned the O'Bannon brothers, which is an excellent one too. Uh, but hopefully, you guys, uh, thanks for the comments. We we love your comments. We don't hate any of you. Well, Mike and Reno is borderline, but beyond that, uh, we love them all, and uh, we appreciate uh, all of the comments and you guys uh, spending some time with us on a Saturday night where we all get to talk about Wildcat basketball a little bit. Huge win for. Uh, the U of A, you folks can enjoy the remainder of your Saturday night. And uh, Mike will be back with this uh, for Arizona's next matchup in what we hope is another Wildcat W. For uh, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sports app and for Brad Alice, this is John Schuster. Have a great night.